Epistle reading is from 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Paul says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you'll um, look at the epistle reading, look at the first Timothy reading with me. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. So thanksgiving, um, I always end up saying something along the lines, and this is, uh, it's, it's the burden of Christianity to insist that Thanksgiving is a distinctly Christian holiday. It's not, I know it's not one of our um, church year holidays, and I know it's a national holiday too, but, but being thankful is only possible if there's somebody to be thankful to, and I might have mentioned this in previous Thanksgiving sermons, but I always, when I think about this, I think about uh, the Jimmy Stewart movie, Shenandoah, where uh, he plays this sort of uh, cynical, um, he's an atheist, a cynical old farmer. But at Thanksgiving dinner, or it might not be Thanksgiving dinner, at some sort of dinner, he's asked to give the blessing. And he doesn't believe in God. And so he starts to pray, and basically his prayers along the lines of, I'd say thank you to you, I'd say thank you to you, God, but actually I'm the one who did all the work and grew all the food and harvested it, and we're the ones who cooked it all. And what he's recognizing is if there's nobody to be thankful for, you really can't be thankful to anybody but yourself. We're a little bit too, even in our culture, we're a little bit uh, too embedded in the Christian story to be narcissistic enough to hold a holiday in which we congratulate ourselves for all the good things we've done, we've done and thank, thank ourselves for taking care of us. So we're left with this holiday, which it's really, it only makes sense in a Christian context. Thanksgiving recognizes, and not just the holiday Thanksgiving, but being thankful recognizes that there's a giver who gives us things and that what we have comes from him. And that's what I usually talk about. But there's another thing that Thanksgiving does, which I haven't really talked about before, ever before. I've never talked about this topic here. And so I was telling Angela, this is, I struggle a tiny bit with the sermon today trying to figure out how to make it make sense. Because I've never thought about this before until a couple of weeks ago when I started looking at 1 Timothy 4. And I want to talk about that with you tonight. This, something else that Thanksgiving does for us. Now, there's a question that we all ask, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, and the question is, how do I know what I should do and what I shouldn't do? How do I know what is good and bad? And even if you take the moral overtones away from that, which I as a Christian won't do, how do I know what's right and wrong? What's the best thing to do? What's the worst thing to do? There's all kinds of ways that you can sort of work your way through that conversation. The best ways to do it are, of course, with God, there being some sort of foundational standard that you can appeal back to, else you're kind of left with, well, what's right to do is what I decide to do, and what's wrong to do is what I decide not to do, which I think it's pretty patently obvious by this point in our culture's story that that's gotten us into a lot of trouble. To go back to some sort of foundational source, and the Bible frequently does this, right? How do you know what's right and wrong? And the answer is, a lot of times, because God tells us in the Bible there's a law that God gives us in the Bible that says, this is what's right, you should do this. This is what's wrong, you shouldn't do this. Paul, Paul uses the law this way. He's, he insists in the book of Romans that the commandment, 
God's word, the commandment, the law is holy and just and good. You can go to it if you want to know what's holy and just and good. You can go to God's law. That's one way to find out what's right and wrong. Another way, but by the way, these aren't separate ways. These aren't three, three separate ways, but they kind of work with each other, but different angles. Another way that Paul himself also says to do it in Romans chapter 12 is love, the principle of love. Paul says that, who, that the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. If you, if we love each other, we will end up doing what God's law requires. He says a few verses later, love is the fulfilling of the law. If we love each other, that's what's right to do. Selflessness. If we're selfish and we don't love each other, that will not be what's right to do. Okay? Third way tonight. Just give me a few minutes and hang with me. The third way we can do this is the way that Paul does it in 1 Timothy 4, uh, verses 1 through 5, which is this. Thankfulness. This is a new thought for me, okay? So if I botch this up, you'll, you'll be gracious. And you'll kind of hang with me because we'll wrestle with this together. Thankfulness gives us a way to discern whether what we're doing is right or wrong. I'll say that again because it feels even weird thinking it out loud. Thankfulness is a way that we can discern what's right and wrong. This is what Paul says. He actually says it in verse 4. Everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. How do you know what to reject and accept? The answer is, can you receive it with thanksgiving? It's a gift of God, and it's good. If you can't receive it with thanksgiving, then it's bad. That's what he says. Now, we, we need to unpack what that means and some of the pitfalls that you, some of you are already thinking about. To, 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 to dealing with ethics in this way, asking the question, can I be thankful to God for it or not? All right, back up. Let's do a little bit of uh, background on what Paul's doing in this text. He's battling against um, a, a Gnosticism, which we're not really sure where this is coming from, but Paul is, is telling Timothy that you're gonna have to watch out for this group of people. He, but Paul basically calls them evil. He calls them demonic and what they're teaching that's so evil is this, in, in uh, verse uh, three, uh, verse four, I'm sorry, they forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods. So we know from that that it's some sort of Gnosticism, and if you don't know what Gnosticism is, I'm not gonna explain it now, but I'm sure Wikipedia has a fine page on Gnosticism. Basically, it's this, the physical world is bad, and what's wrong with this is we're kind of trapped in this mucky physical world, and the pure spiritual life is where it's at. Marriage is bad. Because when you get married, you're gonna end up having sex. You're gonna end up dealing with like other bodies in the house. You're gonna have to deal with other human beings. Food is bad too. Because food, we use that to fulfill our deep desires to be filled up with food. It's just a way of like living in the flesh. And so along comes this teaching, which Christians have grappled with. It's not so much a current American a problem, but Christians throughout the world have grappled with this. Okay, so if we're not supposed to give in to the desires of the flesh, maybe we should say no to sex and no to food. And Paul says that's actually deeply evil. His reason? Because God invented these things, and if God is good and he invented these things, then these things are good as well. So if you can, if you can be thankful for these things, these good gifts that God has given you, then you can enjoy them. You can rejoice in them. You can give thanks for them. If not, though, if you can't give thanks for them, then they're not good. And I'll give you an example, because I, hopefully you're thinking along with me here. 
This could be the same thing, but for different people. I'll give you a, a quick example. Can you be thankful for a really nice glass of wine? Well, yeah, of course. Like God invented wine, and Psalm 104 insists that God gave us wine to gladden the hearts of men. You can have a glass of wine, you can totally enjoy that and be like, this is a sign that there's a God who loves me, that he would give me something this delicious, something like this that would gladden my heart. Can you, yes, that means that wine is good, it's a gift of God, right? Can you be thankful for getting drunk and embarrassing yourself or your friends or your family? Can you be thankful for that? No. That, that, that's, that's, that, that, that's, you can't be like, well, God thanks that I made a fool of myself tonight when we, out, when, we, when we went out to dinner. Or thanks that I made a fool of myself and like I was saying stupid stuff or I talked to my family in ways that I wouldn't do if I hadn't had too much to drink. If you can give thanks to God for it legitimately, then it's good. If the same thing, you take it, and, and I'll unpack this more in just a second, and, and you use it, but, and you, it ends up you can't give thanks to God for it, that you are ashamed of it, then it's not good. It's not good. Now, somebody's going to be like, well, this is all, that's all very subjective. Like, why can't I get drunk, make a fool of myself, and then be like, God, thank you for that, and it'd be fine then. Well, I, I don't know about other religions, but Christianity is not legalistic like that. But Paul's not saying, all you have to do is say thank you and to God, and then whatever you want to do is fine. He's not saying that. He's like genuinely in a relationship with God. If you can be thankful, it's good. If you can't, it's bad. Now, I, I, just, said the, I, I just said the magic words there. Not please. But um, if, if, you, if you can be thankful in relationship with God. Now, Paul is going to give us a couple of like, guardrails to guard us against any sort of selfish legalism, which would say, I'm thankful for all kinds of bad stuff that I do. It must be okay because I'm thankful to God for it. Paul's going to give us a couple of guardrails to guard against that. Two things here, and they're both related. Look at verse 3, back half of verse 3. So, so uh, um, God, created, God created marriage and foods to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. By, this is, what, what I'm saying now is for those who believe and know the truth. All right, so believe means to trust in. It's relational words. It's not, it's not it's, 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 he's not talking, Paul doesn't hardly ever use the word believe to mean, can you say that this is true? Instead he uses believe to mean, to, to be like, you know, you believe your parents when they make promises to you. You believe your best friend when they say, I'm gonna show up. It's a relational commitment word. Same thing with know the truth. Don't, when you see the word know the truth, don't think like a Westerner. Don't think, in my head I know true facts. Knowing the truth is a knowledge experience of the truth. Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. It's a re these are relational terms here. To be thankful in relationship is the only way that this works. You can't be thankful outside of relationship, okay? If you are, it's, 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 it, it, it's not legit. If your thankfulness is somehow, if your thankfulness to the giver is somehow divorced from a relationship with the giver, then you're not being really thankful. That's what I'm trying to say. So thankfulness as an ethic only really works for those who know Jesus. This is what it means. This is for those who believe and know the truth. So what we're talking about is it's hap it happens in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Two notes about this real quick. Thankfulness recognizes 
that it's God's essential nature to be a giver, not a gift withholder. The only way you can know this is if you know the gift of Jesus Christ. If you know that our God is a God who does not demand, I said this on Sunday, but a God who gives. Not a God who wants service, but a God who gives service. Not a God who demands sacrifice, but himself sacrifices himself. Not a God who demands us to give to him, but insists that he's the God who gives to us. The only way that this works is if you think of God as a giver, not as one who withholds gifts from you, not as a God who's trying to keep the fun from you and you've got to snatch it where you can, but a God who every single good thing that we have comes from him so that we can be thankful to him. This makes us content with what he gives. Whatever he gives, we're content. Because if it comes from him, and he's the great gift giver, then it's all good. If I'm not content, it shows that I'm not grasping that he's the great gift giver, and I think that I need to get some more for myself, that somehow he's withholding from me. If there's something about my life that I'm not thankful for, it could be something bad, it could be like a sickness. Recognizing that God is the great gift giver is the only way that gratefulness works as an ethic. Another way to say it is this kind of a backdoor way to say, if you don't know Jesus, then all the things that you could be thankful for, whoever, whoever you're being thankful to, are, are temporary, right? If I don't know Jesus, then being thankful for money that God has given me or for food that God has given me or for power that God has given me or relationship that God has given me, it's just thankful, thankful for stuff that I know is gonna be taken away from me at some point. I can be thankful for money, you know, thank you, God, for this food. But I'm not, there'll be a time when I don't have this food. There'll be a time when I don't have this money. There'll be a time when my relationships aren't there. People leave, people die, people move. Money goes away, money comes and goes. So to be thankful for these things is very, very tenuous because everything is impermanent. All the things that we have are impermanent. I'm totally this way. I think I told you guys this before. I'm the worst about this. I go on vacation and like the very first day of vacation, it's already clouded with the knowledge that at some point the vacation is going to be over. Like it's hard for me to even enjoy going away because I know it's going to be done in a few days. Well, that's because like I know it's temporary. I'm grateful for it, but I wish it was longer. I wish it was more. I wish it was better. I wish it was somewhere else. That's the way all gratefulness is outside of the great gift, outside of the great gift giver. If you know Jesus, though, then all the things that we're thankful for, look, every delicious glass of wine that you have, every wonderful meal that you have, every vacation that you go on, every time you're hanging out with your friends or your family, it's all just a foretaste of the reality that you will have those things forever. Because the great gift giver who's permanent is giving you these things as a permanent sign of his love for you. It does not go away. You will, these relationships, they will always be there. Because the God who you belong to will, will, will always be there. And that's why Paul says, this works. The thankfulness works if you know Jesus. Then the deeper thankfulness behind the surface thankfulness, which is all good. You should be thankful for food and all the gifts that you get. There's a deeper thankfulness behind there. Not just thankfulness for the gift, but thankfulness th through the gift to the giver. Because he is permanent and he makes all these other gifts signposts to his permanence. That's the first thing. The other way he says it is the very end of verse 5. Uh, let me read verse four too. Everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving for it's made holy by the word of God in prayer. 
So lots of commentators don't, they all disagree about exactly what this means. What does it mean that marriage and food are made holy by the word of God in prayer? So you can be thankful for them. Well, it probably doesn't mean that the word of God, it's probably not like the word of God says food is good. It's more like, oh, that's true. It's more like this. The word of God in prayer, these are the two shorthand ways of talking about relationship with God, right? What is the word of God? Fundamentally, it's God communicating to us. What's prayer? It's fundamentally us responding back to him. What's he saying then? This works if you are in relationship with God. This works if you are in this constant give and take, the ebb and flow between God's person and your person. You are hearing his voice. He is hearing your voice. You're hearing his voice back in response. He's hearing your voice back in response. Word and prayer is the way that this works. This is another way, this is another fancy way of saying this is about relationship. This works in relationship. Okay, whiz-bang example for you, and maybe this will help. This helped me this week when I thought about this. Thinking about Thanksgiving as a way to tell what's right and wrong. What is the difference? What's the difference between you giving me $100 and me stealing $100 from you? Well, on the surface, like, well, those are just two completely different things. Like, they're drastically different. Um, in a sense, they're really, really the same. There's me, there's you, there's the 100 bucks. You used to have the 100 bucks, and now I've got the 100 bucks. In both cases, those are exactly the same. There's been a transfer of $100 from you to me. They're both identical, but, but, but actually, there's, 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 which you guys know this, there's, they're both radically different. And the difference is, according to Paul in First, First Timothy 4, the difference is thanksgiving. Can I give you thanks when you give me $100? Absolutely. That's actually the only appropriate way for me to respond to that is to say, thank you so much. It's, that's, and this is the way... This is the way Christianity works, right? God gives, we praise. That's natural. That's, that's, that, that's the way the relationship is supposed to be. If I steal the $100 for you, from you, can I give you thanks for it? No, absolutely not. I can't, I can't give you thanks for money that I stole from you. That's all Paul is saying here. If you can give thanks for it, it's good. You're recognizing it as a gift. If you can't give thanks for it, though, it's because you've stolen it. And stealing things from God, even if they're good things, is a sin. So think about all the things. He talks mainly here about marriage and food, but there's any number of these things. Like, sex is an amazingly wonderful gift of God. If it's given to us from God, and there's ways that he gives it to us, in his word he's very clear about this, you can be thankful for it. But if you have to steal it from him, if you have to say, I don't like what God's plan for my sexuality is, I'm going to go get it somewhere else. I'm going to get it in ways he doesn't want me to. You can't give thanks for it, but for our purposes tonight, you know it's wrong. Money's the same way. Money's an incredibly wonderful gift of God. But if you've got to steal it from him, if you've got to get it in ways that maybe, not that I think that anybody here is getting money illegally, but if you have to like trade your soul for it, 
If you have to do things that you know are wrong at work to get it. If you have to take a job that you know does not match up the way that God has gifted you just to get more money, then what you're doing is you're stealing it from him, which negates the possibility of saying thank you, which means that it's wrong. And everything works like this. Power is the same way. Power is a wonderful gift of God. If you use it, like money and like sex, to serve the other. But as soon as you take power and you aggregate it to yourself, you're stealing it, you can't thank God for it. And that means it's wrong. The power that you get that's a gift from God, whatever it is, is a way to say thanks to him. Uh, I'm, I'm running through a bunch of examples here and then I'll be done. Uh, kids are this way. I'm grappling with this with Harry going off to school next year. Like, I can be thankful for my kids if I recognize that they are a gift from God to me. But as soon as I want to hold on to them, as soon as I want to say, those are my kids, and I'm, gonna, I'm not really concerned about where God wants Harry to go to college or where God wants Harry to live. I want Harry close here to me. I'm grasping, I'm stealing, and I lose the ability to say thank you to God for him because I've not received him from God. I've tried to rip him out of God's hands. But if I recognize he is a gift from God, he is a sign to me that there's a great gift giver who gives me gifts, most of all his own son, then I'm free to say thank you. He's yours, God, but thank you for giving him to me too. Uh, Food and drink are this way as well. And I already gave you the example about alcohol. For for me, those of you who know my battles with food, this is it. Food is meant to be enjoyed. Uh, But it's a thin line before it becomes a master. It's meant to be received as a gift from God, but it's a thin line before it becomes something I'm grasping after. That second, and for those of you who've eaten food with me, you can, like that's probably quite literally grasping after second desserts and uh, huger portions. Then it becomes a way of like satisfying myself. It becomes a prison house like sex, money, power, family, all do when we grasp them and take them for ourselves. I lose the ability to be thankful to God because I've stolen them. So I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Focus on these two, they're barriers, but they're really they're the heart of the text here. This is for those who believe and know the truth. The gifts that God has given us are made holy by relationship with him, by the word of God and prayer. Think about this tomorrow as, as we're celebrating Thanksgiving, or tonight too, as we're celebrating Thanksgiving with our families. Think about how our God is a giving God. Our God is a God who empties himself to give to us. Our God is a God who gave up his own glory, emptied himself to live here with us, to die for us, to sacrifice himself for us because he wants us to have the best. And we don't need to grasp. We don't need to steal. We can be content with what he's given us and we can give thanks to him for those things because we can trust him for those things and we can trust him for all things. All right, let's pray and then we'll have, uh, I think that we're taking up the offering. Is that right, Wayne? Okay, I'll pray then we'll do the offering. Father, thank you for loving us and for providing for us. Help us to be content with what you've given us. Father, give us grateful hearts as appropriate responses to you, the great gift giver. Help us to use this diagnostic, Lord, to test whether or not we're tapping into the heart of the gospel, whether or not we're remembering that you are a gift giver, not a gift withholder. Turn our hearts towards you. Make us grateful for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.